Over again, okay. So we're learning about the terrible chet of Dabr HaMelech, which happens to be particularly relevant for this time of year, not only because we're focusing on tshuva, but also because actually the story took place in Chof Dalad El. So it took place right before Shoshana Mamash in these days. And like I was saying, the Gemara says that David was not roy for this Maisa, but HaKadosh Baruch wanted to teach Klal Yisrael what a person could achieve through tshuva. That even a Maisa, which Kibshutai, the way it's portrayed in the Psukim, is Mamash the lowest possible Maisa. HaKadosh Baruch Tshuva, David achieves a full Kapara. And not only does David achieve a Kapara al Yidei's Tshuva, but the Pella is that David HaMelech really becomes as great as he is because of the Tshuva. The Tshuva elevates him. That we know the Tshuva me'ava, Zdoinus Nasalei Kishuyes, that al Yidei, a person's falling, it helps him grow. When a person does Tshuva me'ava, and David HaMelech's Tshuva becomes example for all of Klali, so that's really what makes David who he is. So that introduction... We began the story last week. We saw that Chalisa went out to battle again. David sent his army out to war. David Amel stayed in Shalayim, which we saw perhaps was a mistake. And David takes an afternoon nap. Another thing which Mefarsh and Chazal will find fault of David Amel for napping and acting in a manner of self indulgence during a time of Tzorah for Chalisa. David gets up from his afternoon nap. He's walking on the roof of the palace. And he sees a woman who's bathing. And she's extremely beautiful. We discussed last week how it is that David Amal spotted her. The Sutton arranged for the Mechitza to suddenly plots. And David, when he saw her, he didn't just see the physical beauty, he saw the Ruach Kodshay, he saw that she was the lady who was destined to be his wife, the one who he was destined through this woman to give birth to the father of Mashiach. The destiny of Kal went through the relationship with David and Basheva, and David realized all of this in a split second. Now, we saw last week the Chazal say that David and had asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a Nisoyin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you want an Esayin, I'll test you. But because he asked for an Esayin, he didn't get the usual siyata d'shmai to stand in Esayin. And this is another reason that David HaMelech fell to what is seemingly a chet that doesn't really make sense for Kafihas Madrega, but it's because we know that the Yitzhahara, Yitzhah Shalodim is Gabrila B'choliyayim, V'lmoli HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ba'ezer E'en Yochelay, a person can only withstand the Yitzhahara with siyata d'shmai. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you, take, you want to be tested? I'm not going to give you the Siyat of the Shemayim. That's what David felt. David went to find out what's the story with this woman. We said last week, he found out that she actually was technically not married because she had received a get from her husband because all of the Chayole Beis David, the soldiers in David Amalek's army, gave a get before they went to battle. Interesting medjish, which I did not mention last week. I think we mentioned at the time when we discussed the battle of Goliath. There is a medjish that says that Goliath's shield bearer, who actually handed David 
the sword and taught David how to open up the scabbard, the sword, the sheath of Goliath's sword, so David could take it out and chop off Goliath's head. There was a special way to do it, and David couldn't figure it out. And this sword bearer, the shield bearer, said, I'll teach you on the condition that you give me a Jewish girl to marry. And David Amal said, okay. And who was it? That was Uriah. And who was this Jewish girl? We see that Uriah Chiti, according to one chat, he was actually a ger. And who was this girl? Because Rocha says, if you're going to treat B'nai Yisrael lightly, Chayecha, I'm going to give Uriah your wife. Be it as that may, he finds out this is the wife of Uriah, Ashes Uriah Chiti, who's not technically married, because, like Chazal say, he'd given a get. David sent messengers, and he brought her to him. She came. He was with her. And the Pasuk points out that she was had just gone, this Rechitza that he had seen, she was going to the Mikvah, she was tore from Tumas Nida. And then after they were together, after they were together, David, she went back home. Now, why is it point out So, first of all, this is a tremendous raya, all the Mepharshim say, the Malbim stresses this very much, that obviously there was no technical Aveir of Eishas Ish, because he wouldn't be so worried if he's being over Eishas Ish, he wouldn't be so worried about being Bail Nida. He's only worried about being Bail Nida because there's no technical Aveir. So it's a raya that he wasn't over. The Pasik wouldn't point out if someone's Mazana was an Ashes Ish that rather she wasn't an either. It's not so important. So that's one Nakuda. But there's another very important Nakuda that's being pointed out over here, as we'll see in the Hemshech of the story, she becomes Mubaris from this from this Maisabiya. And how do we know it's not from Uriah? So Chazal say he was already away from battle for three months. But Pasha Pshat and the Psukim she was miskadeshim to Masa. She just finished having a period. And Mamela, and it wasn't such a secret apparently, and Mamela was very obvious that she had become pregnant only now. And therefore, when she's going to become pregnant, it's going to be very obvious that the pregnancy happened when her husband's away at the battlefield, creating a tremendous problem. Vatahar, I'm sorry, you had a question? So the Gemara says, now if we go with this, now the, the smach to say that she was so young is only based on the fact that she was the granddaughter of, she was, she, we said that Uriah, that, who, who, who was she? She was Bas Elam. And Elam, right, he says that, that Basheva Bas Elam, Elam is recorded as being the son of Achitoifel. Achitoifel, so Achitoifel could have been an old man, he was advisor of David. But we have another Gemara that tells us that terrible people don't live up to half their life, which means they die before halfway to 70, which is less than 35. And if he died so young, and Alpichajin with the story, the Hemshech of the stories, he had to, couldn't be more than 33, and if he had a granddaughter, she was pretty young. But yes, if you go to Echejim, the Gemara is proving that they had children a much younger age in those days, and obviously she was already a, old enough to uh, have, uh, to have, first of all, to be, she became pregnant. So she was old enough to become pregnant, and old enough to be Skadeshim with Tumasa. The Tahara Isha, she became pregnant. She realized right away she became pregnant. The different Mepharshim talk about different simonim that she saw in her body. She realized she was pregnant. The Tishlach, the Tagid, the David, she sends a messenger to David, the Tamer Hora She sends a message to David, we have a big problem. 
Hamuberis, and my husband's on the battlefield, and there's going to be a tremendous Chil Hashem, and it's going to be public busha. You have to figure something out. So David <coughs> comes up with an Eitzah, which on the face of it seems extremely bizarre. And according to some Rishayim, he was risking Mamish being over the most terrible of heirs. What's David's Eitzah? David's Eitzah is we got to bring Uriah back home, have Uriah sleep with his wife, and that way, when she becomes Mubaris, when it becomes public, everyone sees she's pregnant, they'll just assume that this child is Uriah's child. And now, there's two Shittas in the Rishayim, what type of get they used to give when they went to battle. Shittas Taisus is they gave a get gomer. They gave a full-fledged get, which means that Uriah had to come back home and get remarried to his wife, which presents other issues. What about that? Chimud and other things, not Machsik Rishasim, because she didn't get married in between. <coughs> Machsik Rishasim is only if you get married, not if she's Mazan. But that does present some other issues, but at least then, Dabra Melech having her, him come home and be with his wife, it would not create any iser. His mice was still being ball on a Pnuya. It was inappropriate, she was waiting, and she was pretty much expected to remarry her husband, and it's definitely wrong, like we'll see in the Hemshech HaPsukim, but at least there's no technical Aveir. However, however, Rashi learns that she was, that the get they gave was a get al-tanai. That it was a get, that if I don't come back from battle, you should be Gureshes from today. Which means that when Dovod HaMelech tells Uri to come back home, that would invalidate the get, Retroactively, retroactively making what David Amalek did a Misa of being boil and Ashish and making this child into a mamzer. <coughs> but despite all of that, David Amalek felt that it was Kedai to prevent the Chil Hashem, that the Chil Hashem would come out. Neira, was it known that David Amalek had been Mazana with her and the danger to the Malucha and everything that could have taken place? David Amalek felt it was more Kedai to put himself in this terrible situation of having been Mazana with an Ashish. You know, it's like, hard to say that David Amal thought it was the right thing to do. He didn't. There was no hope of a kedushin, right? And she was definitely expected to remarry Uriah. So it's hard to say David Amal thought it was the right thing to do. Was it technically a chet? No. Maybe. Maybe. So David Amal sends to Yoyev the general Sholach Alayas Uriah Achiti. Send me Uriah. Vayishach Yoyev is Uriel David. So David sent Uriah sent back. Now Uriah is listed elsewhere as one of David's mighty warriors. So it's not such a strange thing. He wanted to get from one of his big captains should come back and report to him on the status of the battle. Vayavi Uriah Elov. Uriah comes back. Vayishol David l'shalom Yoyav l'shalom ha'am. He asks, "How's Yoyav the general doing? How's Klal Yisrael doing? L'shalom ha'am and how's the war going?" Vayemir David l'Uriah, and David tells Uriah. After this conversation, <laughs> go home, wash your feet, which is a euphemism that you should be with your wife. Uriah leaves the king's house. And David Amelech wants to make sure he's able to go home and have a festive time and be with his wife. So he sends either Masas HaMelech as a royal feast to put him in the appropriate mood to be with his wife, Rashi says, Sudas of the Malka, or others learn that he sent Miloshin Masi and Masois, used to light torches. He sent a torch, royal torchlit procession to take, escort him home. He could see in the dark, right? There's no street lights. 
And David is very much encouraging Uri to go home and be with his wife. The problem is the plan does not go according to plan. Uriah does not want to go home. He sleeps at the entrance to the king's palace. As Kol Avdi Adonav, together with all the other servants of the king who used to sleep outside the king's palace, the guards and so on, he didn't want to go home. Uriah felt it was inappropriate, and really Uriah was right. That in the middle of a battle, and it's this man of sorrow for Klal Yisrael, it's not appropriate for him to go and live a Chai Sholem, to go be with his wife and to enjoy himself with the rest of Klai Yisrael's Bitsar. Right? We know there's a halacha. In certain times, in times of Tsar and Sarah of Olam, there's an Isser for a man to be with his wife, right? That was why this man of the Rav, Yosef, only had the children, you know, during the Shnei Soiva because of this Isser. There was actually a Shaila Halacha during COVID, was there an Isser? And it's a, it's, it's a serious thing that a person has to be nice of oil when there's a shas tzar ba'ilam. So David HaMelech sent him home. Uriah doesn't want to go home. Oh, you're asking, sorry, you're asking about damchimud, the l'chayra. Especially when it's like a, either a get al or a get the... Yeah, but over here, if it's a get, if it's a get shalom, you're right, if it's a get al there's no damchimud. There's no get, damchimud. The whole part of chimud really is that he's not coming back. No guarantee he's coming back. It's not supposed to you You came home from a long trip. Why don't you go visit your wife? And Uriah says to David, the Oren. Now, this doesn't refer to the Oren Habris. The Oren Habris was in Yushalayim, but the Oren either to Shivrei Luchas that went to battle with them, or maybe this was a special Oren. The Barbanellans was a special Oren that had the Umbatumim that they took to them with battle. The Israel, the Yehuda, Yoshim Basuke, Zero and Hots, Vadaini Yoyov, the Avdi Adaini, and my master Yoyov, and all the servants of my master, of the king. Al-Pnei the sleeping out in the field, and I should go home, eat, drink, and be with my wife. It's inappropriate. He makes a shua in the name of, in, 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 in the life of David and the life of his neshama. In I will not go home and be with my wife and it's such a terrible thing to not be nice of oil when all of my friends are all out of battle. Now, really, Uriah was right. It's not the appropriate thing to do. But at the same time, Uriah showed a tremendous lack of respect to the Melch. The king tells you to do something. It's not your job to tell the king, well, your majesty, I feel it's better to do this way. The king tells you to go home, you go home. So Uriah was technically a married b'malchus. <clears throat> In addition, the way he spoke was also inappropriate. He told David... That, the, that, the Adoni Yoyev, my master Yoyev, you don't speak in front of a king, refer to someone else as your master. You could say, that, you know, the, the, the servant of the king, my master Yoyev, but just say Adoni Yoyev, that's his main master as Yoyev, another inappropriate way. So there was a certain lack of respect for the Melech that was going on over here, which technically Yoyev is Chayav Misa, Mary Ben Malchus is Chayav Misa. Now David could have let it go. 
But David has a legal right at this point to have Uriah put to death. David's not planning on doing this. David is still hoping to convince Uriah to go back home so he can cover up what happened. Now, it's interesting. One of the Mepharshim, I believe it was the Malbim, learns that Uriah first was called home. The first plan is that Uriah should stay home, finish. He should be done with the battle. And Uriah is refusing. He wants to go back to fight. So David chaps, okay, he's not quitting the war. But maybe if I tell him that, okay, you go back to battle, but I want you to have a few days, you know, they, they call it in the, in, in, the, in the military, R&R, rest and relaxation, a few days off, maybe then he'll go home. He doesn't want to go home to live at home and everyone else is out of battle. So David tells him, stay for another day or two. Then I'll send you. You want to go back to battle? I'll send you back. But stay here for another day or two. And David was hoping that, or you stay another day or two, maybe he will go visit his wife. Even if he just goes to visit his wife, that would be enough that at least to take away some of the Chil Hashem. And Uriyataka stays in Shalayim for another two days. And David is trying to entice Uriah to go home. So David figures, what do you do? He's going to give him to drink and to eat, to try to put him in the right frame of mind. Maybe he'll forget his shvur. Vayikri David, vayesh, he gives him to eat, to drink, vayishkereyu, and he makes him shikr. Vayetzeh be'erev lishkav mishkavim. Despite that Uriah goes back at night to go and sleep in the bed that he set up for himself in Abde Adonav, together with all the other avodim of David that slept outside the palace, Though basically, he didn't go home. So now David realizes he has a major problem. Basheva's pregnant. Uriah's not going home. It's going to be very obvious that she was Mazana. It's going to make a tremendous chil Hashem. So David feels he has no Eitzah. And we mentioned that Uriah was technically married by Malchus. So technically, David had a right to put him to death. So David comes up with a plan. David so the next morning, David writes a letter to Yoyev, to the general, and he sends this letter in the hands of Uriah. You see the honesty, what type of person Uriah was, that David was not afraid to send this very risky, you know, this letter is top secret, and definitely Uriah can't see this letter, and he sends it with Uriah himself, and he's not worried that somehow this is going to be read by Uriah. So he sends a letter to yeah, yeah, what's in the letter? This is what he wrote in the letter. Put in the front of the battle. Hachazokin, the most difficult part of the battlefield. And then, when, you know, things are really, there's heavy fighting going on, then have all the other soldiers withdraw, leave him exposed all around. You know, in those days they had the Two lines of soldiers fighting in a vet, and if you know if you if your support on the sides is gone, then you're vulnerable from all sides. And and let him be. You'll pull. You'll withdraw. He'll be stuck alone, and the enemy will hit him, and he'll be killed. So David now has to have Uriah put to death today, that he'll be able to marry Bashev and cover up for what happened. Now, again, Chazal say that he had a right to have Yoyev to have Uriah put to death because the well, Isa, he was married by Malchus 
Vayhi mishmor Yoyev ir. So Yoyev gets this letter. Now, how, how could Yoyev follow through in such an order? It seems like a very bizarre order. So it would seem that Yoyev understood that if David's doing it, David must feel that he's a Meri B'malchus. And even though the normal way of dealing with a Meri B'malchus is taken to Bezdin, L'chvoid Uriah, for his own covet, it's much more of a covet to be killed in battle than to be put to death as a, someone who, you know, for lese majesty, for not respecting the king. And therefore, he, Yoyev looked at it as a, you know, something Dov was doing as a favor for Uriah. In fact, that's what one of the Mepharshim said, I think it was the Barbanel again, that Yoyev thought that if Uriah is bringing the letter, it must be Uriah himself chose this math- method of being killed. That Uriah knew he was Chayv Misa, and he asked David, please don't put me to death as a, in a Eif and Busha, let me die in battle. So maybe Yoyev thought that even Uriah was, understood what was going on. And Yoyev carries out the order. Vayhi b'shmar Yoyev al-Ir, Yoyev was besieging the city. Vayitin es Uriah al-Mokim asher yoda ki anshi chay al-Shalm. He puts Uriah together with the mightiest warriors. Vayetsu anshi Ir, vayilchum was Yoyev, and the people of the city came out to fight against Yoyev. Vayipol mena om me'avdi David, and there were soldiers from David's army that fell in this battle. Vayomas kam Uriah achiti, and Uriah achiti dies in battle as well. So, Uriah has now been killed retroactively, according to Rashi, and definitely according to Tesis. His wife was not his wife. She was Mugureshes. What David did was not Ashesish, and the child's not a Mamzer. David is now in the clear. Now, oh, the Barbanel says that this is one of the Chata- The Barbanel goes not like Chazal, and he goes very strongly, and he feels very strongly about this. You can look at the words yourself. That David Amelch did all the Chatov Mamish Kputakimashmoi, and this is one of his tainas and David Amelch is that that by having Uriah put to death in this manner, he caused Khalishal to act in a risky way, which ended up causing other people to die as well. It's also in David's to be held against David. But those who don't learn that way, so Yoyev did this and you know, this this was in the course of a battle, and other people fell. You know, the fact that Uriah fell maybe was because of of, of David, but the others, they fell as a natural part of the battle. It's interesting that one of the Mepharshim, this I don't remember who says this, says that perhaps David felt that there was an element of having Uriah put to death this way, is that if it's not Ritzayin Hashem, he's not going to die. Because at the end of the day in battle, all sorts of Nisim could happen. Even you leave someone alone, exposed on all sides, right? We learned about tremendous Nisim. We saw when Yainasim defeated an entire Pelishti army, who knows what could happen. So David, at the end of the day, Put it beyond Hashem to a certain extent. Now Yoyev has to get the message back to David that Uri was killed as per the king's request. So Yoyev sends a messenger to tell David everything that took place in battle. And Yoyev tells the messenger, Lamer, you're going to describe the whole battle to David. And there's a possibility that the king might get very angry. The king's going to get angry. Is he going to say, Why did you come so close to the city? That's not the way you besiege a city. Stay at a safe distance. Don't come close enough for them to shoot arrows at you. You know they're shooting arrows from the walls. And those who learn to know that this is an example in Kali Yisrael. There was Avimelech, interesting Jewish name, the son of 
Yerubayshis, which is really Yerubal, which is really Gidon, who was the one who fought against the Baal. He was called Yerubal because he fought against the Baal. And instead of saying, we don't want to mention the name of the Avedazara, Yerubal, they called it Yerubayshis, Baishis being a Russian design for the Avedazara. But this Avimelech was a rotten fellow, so he was besieging a certain tower of Jews that he wanted to kill for his reasons. He was a rotten fellow. And, well, he was about to light, set fire to the entire tower and kill everyone in the tower. And a lady, standing up in the top of the tower, threw a millstone down on his head and killed him. So this was like an example. And, and, and Yoyev tells the messenger, Dovim, I tell you, that, you know, everyone in Klaesol knows that Avimelech was killed, how? Just by a lady, which is a terrible bazillion, right? That was who he was worried about when he was dying. He told the sword bearer, kill me quickly so that I was killed by a man, not by a lady. And everyone knows he was killed by a lady. Threw down a millstone from the wall. What's going on? Why'd you go so close to the wall? So you should tell David is If he gets all angry, tell him that Uriah was killed. Now, this is a sort of double message. Because what Yahweh was really saying is the reason I did all this is because you commanded me to get Uriah killed, so I made Uriah get killed. But Yahweh was doing it in a way he didn't want the messenger to realize what's going on. So he told him, Tell him at the end Uriah was killed. Uriah was known as a mighty warrior, an impetuous warrior. And Ki'ilu, Yoyev was saying, it heretz to the Melech as that Uriah led this charge on his own. He got so heated up in battle that he charged all the way up to the wall, and that's what happened. So he was saying it in a way that the messenger was thinking he was giving an excuse to Teretz that Uriah was killed, that Uriah is the one who led this part of battle. Don't yell at me, Uriah got carried away with his in battle. But really the message Yoyev was sending to David was, well, the reason I did this is because Uriah got killed. Now, some of the Mepharshim, there is a Medrash, the Yalka brings down this way, that finds Yoyev at fault, that Yoyev apparently, according to this Medrash, all the other generals came to Yoyev and yelling, what type of, you know, what happened, listen, you forgot strategy, you forgot how to fight, and Yoyev basically let them know that the king ordered him to put Urian harm's way, and this, some learned that that's what happened here also, he was letting the messenger basically spilled the beans that the king wanted Uriah killed, and this caused Kal Yisrael, the word eventually gets out, that Uriah was put to death by David. But again, that's not Pashup Shat. Pashup Shat is that he was saying, he was sending him a, a secret coded double message that David should realize, but really the messenger had no idea. Vayelech HaMalach, the messenger comes, Vayovi V'yagid L'David The messenger didn't want the king to get angry at him, and then he'll have to say Teretz. So the messenger said everything all at once. And he changed what happened a little bit. This is what the messenger said. The messenger said, The warriors started fighting against us. So we chased them back till the Pesach Hashar. And then the archers shot from up top. Included in them was your mighty warrior Uriah. Now David responds based on being told the whole thing all at once and being told that Uriah was killed because they were chasing after the warriors. So David sends a message of consolation to Yoyev. He says, 
that tell Yoyov, Al Yer don't get down about this loss of soldiers. One shot is it means that's how war goes. Some people die. Even a victorious battle, you lose some soldiers. And therefore, strengthen yourself in battle, and totally destroy the city. Others say, I think the Malbim says that, <coughs> that he told them that what is, what, the, the messenger told them that the people from the city came out to fight, and therefore they had to chase the people back to the city. So David was sending them a message, you're right, it was dangerous and a risky move to go all the way up to the wall of the city. But the other option is to stay in the siege and continually having attacks. That's also dangerous. Kazeo, kazeo, whichever way you're going to fight the war, you're going to lose people. It's better that you should just come with a strong frontal attack and wipe the city out for once and for all than to let them slowly have a war of attrition where they're slowly killing more and more people. So that was his Nechama to Yoyev. Vatishma Eishas Uriah Kimes Uriah Isha Uriah's wife, Basheva, hears that Uriah her husband died. Batispeid al Baila and she was she mourned over her husband. Now we know that she wasn't actually his husband, her husband, because she gave a get. And that's why it's interesting the difference in the shyness. She hears that Uriah Isha died, Batispeid al Baila. There's a difference between a Bao, a husband, and Isha is the personal relationship. So she knew she was Mugureshes, and therefore the person who died was Uriah Isha her, you could say, chasen in a sense, and she was misped al on her husband who had been in the past. Ve'yavar ha'evel, and the days of evil passed, ve'yishach David ve'yosol basically, and David took her quickly to his home. Now, David did this, you know, it sounds very strange, but if you look at it, if we didn't know the whole backstory, other Rabbi David was saying, listen, Nebuch, there's this almana for one of my mighty warriors, the greatest honor I could do to his wife is I'll make her, take her into the palace, let her become a member of the royal household. And David also had to take, have this done very quickly because when she's going to become Uberis, David has to make sure that the time period lines up. So David takes him to his house, and she has a child. We discussed that everything could be technically was Eiskahal. But it wasn't Kafi, the Madrig of David. It wasn't what our Kodesh Baruch expected from David. And this was terrible, Ba'ina Hashem. And that's why Ba'ina Hashem, specifically Ba'ina Hashem, because to the eyes of people, no one chapped anything. Yoyev knew something, and no one really knew what happened. Everyone else, he managed to cover it up. But Ba'ina Hakodesh Baruch, Hakodesh Baruch, Saifikol and Staras, Hakodesh Baruch, said that this is. Rab Eini Hashem and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very upset and we'll see Be'ez Hashem during the Asayas Tshuva we'll see the message that's sent by HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the Nos and Hanavi the message being Teveim for Ischet and the Tshuva of Dovra Melech and we'll see that Be'ez Hashem next week everyone should have a chassiv chassimateim Amen